Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sometimes you just want the quick facts. No opinions, no speculation. I'm Claire Thornton, an audio editor with USA Today. My team works around the clock to bring you the Five Things podcast. Every morning, me and my co-host Taylor Wilson help you know what to keep an eye out for that day. We always have a fresh mix of stories, from politics to entertainment to sports, covering all parts of the country. On Sundays, you can lean back with in-depth episodes about stories you may have heard earlier that week. Go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite shows and start listening to Five Things today. Inside Florida Politics, powered by the USA Today Florida Network. Florida Republicans rally around former President Donald Trump after DeSantis drops out. The governor continues to talk like a presidential candidate, and Florida's legislative session hits the halfway point. Hello, I'm Sarasota Herald Tribune political editor Zach Anderson, and those are some of the stories I'll be discussing this week with Gannett State Capitol reporter John Kennedy and Palm Beach Post politics editor Antonio Finns. But first... Music means it's number time. Uh, you know, we're not we're not picking Super Bowl numbers this week, but there's a lot going on in the world of Florida politics. John, you want to tell us what your number is? Yeah, Zach, I do have a number this week. It sounds kind of football, but it's not. It's a 12. 12. All right. We'll see uh, if any of if either the Chiefs or the Niners uh, uh, can get over that number this week. Antonio, you want to tell us about yours? Well, don't do mine as an over under because I got 12,572. All right, and my number is 15,000. Remember those numbers, folks. We'll tell you what they mean in Florida politics at the end of the show. Well, even before DeSantis dropped out, Florida Republicans already were rallying around former President Donald Trump, who has really uh, been leading the state for a long time. Polls showed him well ahead in Florida. Trump is so popular with party activists that the Florida GOP is actually going to endorse him this weekend. Antonio, you know, Nikki Haley doesn't have much of a shot in this primary. I mean, she lost to uh, none of the above in Nevada this week, but she is a credible candidate. Do you think that the Florida GOP is there's any risk here of them endorsing uh, in a primary and potentially alienating some of these uh, moderate voters who might like to see this continue? Moderate voters in Florida? I don't think they exist, but no, look, clearly it's it's on the radar. And what tells us that was the meltdown this month that the uh, MAGA world had over Taylor Swift and all these Taylor Swift conspiracy theories that she's a Pentagon operative or that she was, you know, preparing to surprise endorse Biden during the Super Bowl. And what may be driving that is a poll that came out uh, from Quinnipiac University earlier this month that showed that although Trump is leading Biden, um, in many of these states, the Quinnipiac poll actually showed Biden ahead. And the reason being is that he's opening up, according to the poll, a big gap with suburban women and independents. And if you really look at Florida, 
you know, where are these moderate voters? Well, they're really the NPA crowd, the no political affiliation crowd. And they are seen as potentially, you know, a big swing vote. Although I would caution our, our viewers and listeners that that was actually the Democratic strategy back in 2022 to try to defeat DeSantis and to win that Senate seat that Marco Rubio still has. And that was by really relying on the independent, the NPA the voters. Didn't work out for them because the NPA voters actually seem to have broken for DeSantis and the Republican candidates. And it was a pretty ugly result for the Democrats. But, um, you know, here we go again. And that, that kind of is the, the strategy going into this year. There's also on Wednesday, we had the Florida Supreme Court take up the abortion issue, the constitutional amendment that I think a lot of Democrats are hoping that that drives voters to the polls who want to protect reproductive rights in Florida and maybe draw those voters into the Democratic camp and, and bolster their fortunes. But, you know, what we're looking at right now is still a race between, you know, President Biden and former President Trump. And if you look at all the polls, you know, whether the common denominator seems to be that both are just kind of unpopular with the general population. And in fact, we just had a Florida Atlantic University Main Street poll that showed that nationally Biden's approval rating was at 38 percent, which is really bad. And then Trump is only better in favorability rating at 42 percent. So uh, if, if that's what it comes down to, then, you know, what I'm hearing is a lot of people saying that two unpopular candidates at the top of the ballot is just going to dissuade voters from going to vote. And then it becomes a base versus base election. And quite frankly, in that, what you want to do is really drive your base to the polls, really anger them, motivate them. And this rhetoric that seems to scare off moderates would actually help uh, the Republican candidate who looks to be Mr. Trump. Antonio, here in Florida, you really had a big schism in the Republican Party between DeSantis supporters uh, mm -hmm. and Trump supporters. In some days, that was really at the highest levels of the party. Right. You know, polls showed that the base was pretty firmly behind Trump. But when you're trying to get the party all on one page heading into uh, the general election, right. you know, trying to bring people together, have some party unity, uh, pull together these uh, DeSantis supporters who, you know, that was a pretty bitter primary. I mean, it, it got nasty. The, the whole DeSanctimonious stuff, uh, DeSantis uh, was hitting Trump pretty hard uh, towards mm -hmm. the end. Um, do you think that, you know, there's any lingering animosity that could prevent some of this uh, efforts at party unity between the Trump and the DeSantis camp? Look, I, I can tell you this, that that giant sucking sound you heard is actually the big sigh of relief coming from Republicans that that primary ended as early as it did. The last thing that particularly here in Palm Beach County, which is Trump's home turf, the last thing that Republicans wanted was a drawn out battle between DeSantis and Trump. Uh, they, they were all seeing themselves as being caught in the middle having to side with one camp or the other way back. If you go back to like the fall of 2022, when Trump first unveiled the Ron DeSanctimonious nickname, I mean, everybody here was just gritting their teeth in Republicans. Even, even the, we, we heard people who were really Trump ardent, full, all in on Trump uh, folks saying that, yeah, they, they didn't like that name calling that you basically you had these, they saw Florida at, at the apex of, Nash, of the National Republican movement with two of the most popular political figures in the country, both situated here. And, it, and a drawn up battle between the two of them to really start ripping each other apart would have basically just splintered this party in two. In two. So I think 
there is all, all of that you just said is correct. And I, I think people are just relieved that this big drawn out, you know, primary battle did not materialize. And now they can focus on behind, you know, President, you know, former President Trump, who is the, the leader of the party in Florida, undisputed now. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, I, I think people are just and you don't see the same thing with Haley. Right. I mean, there's not a lot no. of visible Haley no. support in Florida. There's really not a, a big danger. To, uh... No, no. There really wasn't. There never really was. I mean, Haley is somebody who doesn't have much name recognition in the state, has never made any inroads into the state. Um, and, and, and even if she were to be mounting a credible fight against Trump in, the, in terms of being able to win primaries and having polls showing her leading in other states, that would never be the case in Florida. This is Trump County, Trump country. And as we've said in this podcast, the Trumpiest state in America. I wonder, you know, I, I think that's very true for GOP activists, for people who are involved in the party, for elected leaders. I don't know how true it is for the average voter. I do think for an average Republican voter, there is still a decent percentage of them who are not all that happy with mm -hmm. Trump. They don't like Biden, but they're not extremely happy with Trump. And and maybe they would like a chance to, to vote um, for a Haley or, or somebody else to send a message uh, in the primary. And, and, you know, I don't know that they're paying attention to what the Florida GOP is doing and who they're endorsing, but um, I'm not completely sure that, that mm -hmm. the party as a whole is just uh, ready to 100% get behind Trump. Although if you look at the activist base of the party, I was talking to some county GOP leaders and they were talking about some of the straw polls that they did. And literally, you know, you'd have Trump getting 95, 97, 99 percent of the vote, some of it coming in for DeSantis, but literally zero votes for Haley. So amongst right. the, the activist base, amongst the Florida GOP, um, the people who are involved in the party, I think that, you know, Haley uh, it doesn't barely even register at all. Uh, and that's one reason that the party's just going ahead and endorsing Trump at this point, because for, for party leaders, there really is uh, no question. When we come back, talk about Ron DeSantis running a shadow presidential campaign as he stays focused on national issues after dropping out of the presidential race. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, while the Florida GOP rallies around Trump, DeSantis continues to maintain a busy schedule after dropping out of the presidential race. Just days after quitting the race, he was already out giving press conferences and, and doing public events. Um, and, and really, uh, he's been pretty active ever since. And what a lot of people have noticed is that a lot of his events have really focused on national issues. He's talked about uh, immigration. Uh, he's really... Uh, gone after uh, Biden repeatedly. And in some sense, it, it almost seems like just a continuation. He still sounds like a presidential camp candidate. And there's been speculation that he's sort of running a, a shadow campaign for uh, 2024 if Trump implodes or, or really more towards 2028 um, when he might like to take another shot 
uh, at running for president and uh, or at least trying to stay uh, relevant in the national conversation. John, um, we speculated as to what type of governor DeSantis would be when he returns uh, back to Florida. Would he focus more on state issues like, uh, you know, affordable housing, property insurance, the environment, or would he really uh, continue this national tilt? And it, and it seems like we have our answer, don't we? It, it does seem like the DeSantis post-presidential race, you know, really isn't much different from the the DeSantis that we saw during the campaign and even last year when he was, uh, you know, gearing up for that presidential run, you know, after being away from the state for most of the past eight months campaigning, now he's making stops around the state, you know, dishing out grant money to some small towns, uh, promoting the manatees, uh, talking up legislation aimed at stopping cities from creating any homeless encampments. Uh, but then, you know, he, what we've seen is he segues away from this kind of routine stuff of being governor to sort of, uh, you know, clearing his throat and giving listeners a kind of, uh, you know, but you know what I've been thinking moment, you know, when he kind of transitions. And uh, it's, it's yeah, he's like, done that on uh, Israel. I mean, like weighing in on a two state solution when he's at some event giving money for some uh, small town project. I mean, he really seems to really want to continue to be part of this national conversation. Oh, exactly. It's like you're listening to, you know, conservative talk radio, you know, you know, hey, we've got Ron from Tallahassee on the line. And uh, then he just kind of goes on uh, sort of freestyling. But, uh, you know, that's when he talks up how he's sending a thousand Florida State Guard members to the Mexican border, called for term limits for members of Congress. You know, he rips into President Biden, as you'd mentioned, uh, for, for a host of things, often the border. And uh, ridicules Washington, at least the uh, the Democratic side of Washington. Uh, you know, it's a strategy that we've heard from him now for actually the last couple of years. So um, there's well, what's, your, what's your thought? I mean, do you think he's not really ready to give up on on his national ambitions? It, 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 it's obviously predicting what could happen in this election cycle, let alone 2028. Who knows? But it, it seems like he's really gotten a taste for the national limelight and, and he oh, wants yeah. to stay in it. Yeah, but but there's clearly a difference now. Before this kind of freestyling of what's on his mind was aimed at a really distinct goal, and that was right. you know his soon to kick off then uh, presidential race, which he was confident would result in him winning the president Republican nomination. You know, you know how'd that work out? Uh, you know, now you you wonder you know what's his goal? He's trying to keep relevant in a party clearly dominated by Donald Trump, who seems to hold him in contempt and basically was able to viciously and relentlessly pound him you know, and, and eventually annihilate the governor's presidential ambitions, helped along by, yeah, plenty of missteps from DeSantis. But I guess, you know, some of these things on his mind now may draw national attention every now and again, but he really has moved into the, you know, who really cares what Ron DeSantis is thinking category. Um, but there once was a, a political parlor talk here in Tallahassee that, uh, you know, he could challenge Republican U.S. Senator Rick Scott this year, but that's not going to happen. Uh, instead, he, DeSantis has three more years to go as governor in a big state. So he's got a platform for doing stuff that he can occasionally draw notice from a Republican base for that uh, also still seems to hold him in some esteem for, you know, seizing on the kind of Fox News driven issues that really seem to animate Republican voters. But politically, DeSantis has clearly gone from, you know, red hot to, as he likes to say, stone cold in the past year. 
And uh, he, he's now yesterday's news. So uh, the next presidential race isn't until 2028. He's out of office in January 2027. So he's got a long way if he's going to defy recent history and reemerge as a presidential candidate. You know, a, a comeback Rick Perry, Scott Walker, Ted Cruz, you know, others similarly were unable to do it after initially catching some buzz like DeSantis in their singular presidential run. So he's, he's got a long way to go and not a lot to do. Antonio, one of the issues that DeSantis is really talking about a lot um, a after he dropped out of the race is immigration. And he talks about it a lot before he dropped out of the race. And that's because Republicans are really focused on this issue. If you look at the polling around uh, Donald Trump, it's like, you know, voters, uh, that's one of his strongest suits. Voters really trust him more on immigration than they do uh, Biden. But you saw really a, a, almost a Republican meltdown uh, this week on immigration, where this border bill that they had demanded, they ended up rejecting after Trump uh, rejected it. Uh, you saw them unable to impeach the Homeland uh, Security Secretary over immigration. And then you saw DeSantis kind of chiming in from the sidelines and uh, you know saying they were like the Keystone cops. Um, and, and here he is sending troops to the border. He really seems to want to really get in this debate, but he's kind of on the outside. Outside, and quite frankly, uh, what we saw this week is that Mr. Trump owns the immigration issue, and we saw it with the meltdown over that legislation. Like you said, this, this legislation is something that Republicans demanded as part of, to meet the need, the, the, the administration, the Biden administrations want to refund uh, Ukraine and send aid to Israel. And Republicans said, no, we're not doing that until you do the border. And not only did they go ahead and, and create this legislation on the border, but they basically gave the Republicans almost their entire wish list. Well, among among the, uh, the provisions in the measure, there would not there would be a lot more expansion of the detention facilities at the border to stop what Trump has been rail against this uh, catch and release where, which is really what happens there is that people coming across the border, are stopped, they, they file their asylum or their immigration claim, and then they're paroled into the U.S. while that's being decided. And uh, the, the MAGA base, following Mr. Trump's line, argues that's catch and release, that that is basically just, you know, permitless entry into the U.S. You know, they also provide a lot, $20 billion more, more dollars to help uh, the, the border and the agents on the border. And in fact, you could tell that this is actually a pretty good piece of legislation because the very conservative union that represents federal border agents, uh, which has endorsed Trump in the past, basically signed on to this measure saying that it was a it was a pretty good, at the very least, a very good step for, first. But what happens then? Uh, Mr. Trump enters the fray and says, no, this is not doing. And he basically, uh, both on Truth Social and in conversations with House Speaker Mike Johnson and eventually uh, with the U.S. Senators, they basically uh, pulled the rug from underneath both the Democrats in the Senate and the Republicans in the Senate that were getting behind this measure. And in Florida, well, Marco Rubio and Rick Scott are two U.S. senators. They both said no to the legislation. Um, and in the House, uh, the 20 you know, members of the Florida delegation all voted to impeach Alejandro Mayorkas, although that failed. Uh, but I think that that's going to come back. I think there, there were one or two members that were not around that will be back next week. And I I think they're going to bring back that measure. And I think he ultimately, Mayorkas, will be impeached. But all of this you tells you that. You mentioned Rubio, Antonio. I mean, Rubio, more than anybody, knows the politics around this. He was part of the infamous 
gang of eight. Uh, yeah. You know, it's really he's probably having deja vu here. Well, no, he's got PTSD. I mean, he's got he has to be. Look, the, the whole Rubio thing is the backdrop itself. Remember, in 2010, when he first ran for the U.S. Senate, he ran as an immigration hardliner. After he won, he got a lot of pushback, wrote an op-ed, which was almost like a, a, a you know, a, a recanting and then got involved in the 2013 measure to try to have this comprehensive immigration reform bill and basically was labeled as a traitor. And when Rubio ran against... And it's the same thing that's happening to Langford from, from Oklahoma. Yeah. I mean, the exact same thing. Well, he's already, you know, James Langford from Oklahoma has already now been censured by the Oklahoma GOP. And Rubio in 2016, when he ran for president for the Republican nomination, it was the immigration measure that really killed him. That's, that's where he lost out a lot to Trump. So he's got PTSD. This is, you know, this is an issue that Donald Trump has owned now for going on almost a decade. And uh, if you're going to cross him on it in the Republican Party, you ain't going to have much of a future. And I think what we've seen the last few days uh, bears that out. And I'll tell you, it's an issue that voters are really paying attention to, especially mm -hmm. on the Republican side. I was out yesterday talking to some people for a story that I'm working on, and I talked to three different Republicans and all of them brought up the immigration issue. They were extremely fired up about people um, coming across the border and what they saw as an open border. And so it is just a, a really um, a political issue that really uh, animates a lot of Republicans. And there's a reason um, that Trump is so focused on it. When we come back, an overview of the first half of Florida's 60-day legislative session. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, while Congress uh, is really struggling to do anything at this point, the Florida legislature, which has an overwhelming Republican majority, is plowing ahead with a, a bunch of bills that could, could really have a significant impact on the state. Everything from uh, changes to gun laws to changes to laws regarding strippers to changes to uh, laws regarding social media. John, uh, we're now at the midpoint of the 60-day legislative session. What, what has stood out to you so far about this session? Well, the House and the Senate are, are moving in the right direction uh, toward the finish line, uh, yeah, but we've still got about a month to go. And as I've said every year, the, the, the worst is yet to come. So uh, the budget uh, you know, is the only bill that the legislature has to approve every year. That, that's in the Constitution. And both the House and Senate are fairly close on a lot of things, including the bottom line, which is a, a little over $115 billion in both proposals. Uh, DeSantis, when he made his state budget recommendation back in December, he wanted to spend even less, uh, just over $114 billion. But with school funding, environmental spending, and health care, all these things look like uh, they're going to line up uh, I, it doesn't look like the, the state budget is going to be a you know divisive issue of any kind this year. But, uh, you know, there's plenty of other things to settle. Uh, you'd mentioned how the House is talking about lowering the, the age for getting a rifle to 18, but increasing the age to, to be a stripper to 21. 
So uh, the, the the Senate though, won't go won't, won't reduce the gun buying age. They they that was raised to 21 after the uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas massacre back in 2018. But we'll have to see if uh, Florida strippers now have to keep an ID on their persons. Uh, that'll be something that you know goes back and forth between the House and Senate. Uh, uh, otherwise, it seems that we're we're approaching the point in the session where the priorities of each side start moving in uh, on the other side. Uh, the Senate took up House Speaker Paul Renner's push to ban kids under age 16 from social media accounts, which the Senate hadn't done yet. Um, so that's just getting going in the Senate. Uh, that's a little bit of an olive branch there. And DeSantis has weighed in on that. that that's a no sure, sure thing for him. It was interesting. He's kind of uh, said that, well, I'm concerned about kids and social media, but I'm also concerned about, you know, people's freedom to, to yeah. do some of these things. Yeah, he's talked about uh, questions about kind of broadly the breadth of the bill. And, uh, you know, this is from DeSantis, who's no stranger to, uh, uh, you know, unconstitutional challenges when he uh, takes up uh, legislation. So so we'll see. I mean, that that's one of those pieces of legislation right now. I would say there's a good chance it's going to pass. But, you know, maybe in the end, does DeSantis veto it? Though I know there's a lot of clamoring for somehow disconnecting kids from uh, social media accounts, it seems like. Um, another thing that's a, a big item for, for the Senate and Senate President Kathleen Pasadomo is this live healthy idea, which is intended to improve the state's healthcare workforce and kind of improve some patient access. Renner says that the, the House will get moving on that too. So there doesn't seem to be a, a major sticking point there. But, you know, uh, other things that are more, you know, pocketbook issues for Floridians, like tackling property insurance, that looks like a topic that will go largely unaddressed this session, even though it's on the minds and, and wallets of a lot of Floridians. And uh, there's also not much to make, uh, you know, housing more affordable in a state where many people are struggling right now. Um, you know, there's also some drama still worth watching. The House and Senate don't look interested in going along with DeSantis's pitch to make it easier for the owner of Miami Beach's Fountain Blue Hotel to get a casino license. That uh, Jeffrey Sofer, uh, billionaire. He he lent DeSantis his plane and uh, put a lot of money into Republican campaign accounts, but he doesn't look like he's going to hit the jackpot with Republican legislative leaders now worried about this this effort to kind of make it easier for him to get a, a paramutual license, that somehow this could become troubling to the Seminole Gambling Compact, which recently finally cleared court challenges. This is uh, something that was enacted back in 2021, but has been pretty much, you know, on ice since then. Um, you know, as I say, there's a lot of things. Um, another bill that DeSantis got behind uh, that bars the removal of Confederate monuments that drew yeah. heat in the Senate. And uh, John, what, that's an interesting debate. You know, we've been talking about that for a while. Um, yeah. Jacksonville has has a monument that uh, I, I think was removed by the mayor that had a lot of discussion. Um, it it kind of falls into some of this anti-woke legislation, you know, protecting monuments. There's also there was a bill about um, LGBTQ flags and whether you could display certain flags um, it, what do you, there's been so much of this anti-woke stuff over the last uh, few years in Florida that was really DeSantis's brand. Um, but it, some of these bills don't look like they're going anywhere this year. Yeah, there's questions about it. And uh, Pasadomo, um, you know, th through sourcing, it sounds like Pasadomo has kind of uh, 
in the Senate has indicated that she's not really that interested in a lot of these uh, culture war div divisions. And this year, anyway, she went along with them all last year. So we're going to have to see. Um, the House is still promoting a lot of them. Um, the, the monument bill ran into some uh, heated discussion just this week in, in a Senate committee. Uh, and she described some of the comments from the public that were uh, there that talked about how this legislation is largely designed to kind of protect white history. She found those comments to be abhorrent was the mm -hmm. word she used. And um, so that, that kind of raises uh, uh, the doubts about whether that may be happening, even though it's something that a rather prominent Southwest Florida state Senator, Jonathan Martin is behind. Uh, he, he seems to be an ally of Pasadomo on most things, but um, yeah, you know, it's, it's still to be seen. And all this LGBTQ bashing, which has uh, become part of the Republican brand lately, uh, whether there's more of that to come, uh, we're gonna have to see here in the closing stretch of the session. We're halfway through, plenty more to come here. We'll move on to some uh, numbers. Antonio, you want to tell us about yours? I got 12,572, and that is the population of Franklin County, Florida. And it's not usual for a, uh, a county and, and one that's that small to have uh, some, you know, basically have legislation to change state law in their favor, but that's what's happening. And what's at play here? Uh, for those not too familiar with Franklin County, it's in the Panhandle. It's bordered in the south by Apalachicola Bay and to the north by the Apalachicola Forest. And the issue they're having in Franklin County is black bears. Here's the problem. Basically, there's a number of incursions of black bears into the social life of Franklin County. Uh, one apparently is, a, one black bear apparently or is accused of having swiped somebody's lunch at Burger King. Another one was caught on a house door uh, camera swiping away a, a delivery of Taco Bell. And as a result, there is, now we have you know, House Bill 87 and a companion measure in the Senate to allow the shooting of black bears if they're on your property. Uh, now, black bears are not dangerous. These are not grizzly bears. These are basically kind of much smaller. Uh, they're kind of skittish. They basically live off plants and, you know, plants and insects and the occasional whopper they can swipe from somebody. But in Franklin County, this has become such a problem that even the sheriff who says, listen, go ahead and just shoot them off with the whistle or something. No, they now want this legislation to allow people in Franklin County to, to shoot the bear. In fact, some folks have called it the standard ground law against bears. So whether this will go anywhere or not, I don't know. But it kind of tells you how Florida, with all the population growth we're getting, this is, you know, we're in more and more encroachment on, you know, basically wildlife habitat and you know with laws that have protected wildlife habitat there's more wildlife which is a good thing but nonetheless in florida state lawmakers have having gone after mickey mouse now they're taking aim at winnie the pooh brother bear and the country bear jamboree antonio i have to admit i haven't followed the debate over this bill that closely but i did catch a snippet of it where uh i, I think it was the sponsor somebody was talking referencing the movie cocaine bear where a yes. bear eats cocaine and goes on a rampage and and you know uh the debate has gone off the rail when cocaine bear is being referenced fortunately these uh these franklin county bears apparently are just junk food junkies that's it right, right? They, apparently they, 
Yeah. Apparently, and it's it, it may well be this legislation that's on crack, but we'll. I'm, I'm we'll a little bit less afraid of a bear that eats some Burger King and probably just takes a nap than a cocaine bear. But uh, yeah. John, you want to tell us about your number? Yeah, Zach, I came in with a 12, and uh, you know we used to talk a lot on this show about presidential primaries back when uh, Ron DeSantis was a candidate. Well, uh, you know we, we we filled our discussions with talk of Iowa, New Hampshire, even South Carolina. But you know what? Florida is going to have a Republican presidential primary in just over a month on March 19th. And uh, spoiler alert: it 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 looks like Donald Trump is going to win. He may even by then be unopposed. But um, you know it also looks all but certain now that Trump will be the presidential nominee for the Republicans. And if that happens, my number 12, well, this will be the 12th straight Republican presidential primary that Florida Republicans chose the man who became the eventual presidential nominee for the party. Uh, you know, Florida bets on the favorite. And uh, as a typically late presidential primary, the favorite is usually clear by the time Floridians cast ballots in their primary. Um, you know, in 2008, Florida Democrats backed Hillary Clinton over Barack Obama, who became the nominee that year. That was a little bit of drama. But even on the Democratic side, it's usually a, a, a pretty, you know, go with the favorite kind of thing. Um, but but Florida Republicans have consistently backed the uh, eventual nominee, going back to Richard Nixon in 1972 in the state's first uh, Republican presidential contest. Uh, it stayed that way all the way through Reagan two President Bushes, and even Donald Trump twice in 16 and 20. Um, although we've had 14 presidential cycles since 20, 1972, Reagan and George W. Bush weren't opposed in Florida in their presidential re-election year. So we've had 12 primaries of uh, Republican voters actually picking out the winners. Um, you know, we haven't had too many real contests. Uh, George H.W. Bush managed to beat back a challenge from, uh, you remember, arch-conservative Pat Buchanan in the uh, 1992 Florida primary, and then Republican Governor Charlie Chris, his endorsement of Arizona Senator John McCain helped uh, lift him to victory in the 2008 Florida primary over uh, Mitt Romney, Rudy Giuliani, and Mike Huckabee. Um, but this year, Florida's upcoming primary is a, a long way from being where we once were in this race. You know, remember, we had we had Florida men, D Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, and even Miami Mayor Francis Suarez running for president last year. Uh, instead, now it looks like there's only going to be one Florida man left standing. Yeah, I think this is going to be a pretty anticlimactic uh, primary. No DeSantis um, and uh, Nikki Haley will probably uh, potentially be out of the race by then. And if she loses South Carolina, it's going to be pretty hard for her to continue. That's her home state, but we'll see. Um, well, my number is 15,000. That's how many uh, homeless people are li were living on the streets last year in Florida. DeSantis weighed into the homeless issue uh, this week. He held a press conference where he declared that he is supporting uh, legislation that is moving through the House uh, and the Senate uh, right now that would crack down on public homelessness. Uh, one of the bills uh, is focused on uh, camping and uh, sleeping in public. And DeSantis declared that he wanted to outlaw that in Florida. This is an issue that uh, Florida cities and counties have grappled with for a long time. It's a, it's a very um, difficult issue and an intractable one. Um, you know, here in Sarasota, uh, I've followed the debate locally, and, and it's literally something that the city commission has spent hours and hours and hours 
on trying to figure out a, a solution to to get people off the streets, to get them housed. Uh, cities and counties have taken you know, all kinds of approaches to this. Some of them more like what DeSantis wants, where you have laws that uh, crack down on public aspects of homelessness, like sleeping in public or panhandling. Other cities and counties have a focus more on just trying to get people into housing through what they call a housing first strategy. Uh, for DeSantis, it really seems like he is positioning this as sort of part of the, the culture wars, the blue states versus the red states. You know, when he held this uh, press conference uh, to support th these uh, homeless bills, he had on his po a, a podium a sign that said, uh, don't let Florida become San Francisco uh, and reference the, the visible homeless uh, population in San Francisco. So I guess he's not going to be rooting for the 49ers uh, this week, but he, he really has, has, has kind of just tried to, to talk about this issue as, you know, the, the blue states are, are letting this get out of control. Here in Florida, we're a bastion of, of uh, a sanity, uh, you know, positioning himself as sort of the law and order, keep the streets safe governor. Uh, but it really shows that even as he tackles one of these issues that is really very local in a way, he's trying to make it national, trying to get national attention, uh, and still trying to stay in the national spotlight, even though his presidential campaign has come to an end. That wraps up another episode of Inside Florida Politics. I want to thank our production guru, Rob Landers. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. We're out of here. Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.